Hi, everybody. Gary Van Wormerdam. Uh, I'm with Daniel Moore. Um, and we're going to talk about his, his journey from, from misery to happiness uh, through the self-mastery process and whatever else you, uh, you tend to share that, that helped you along the way, that motivated you, that you stumbled upon, that you... Um, You know, found useful. And the intent here is to share with people, you know, it's like, okay, there's a process. You can go from misery to happiness. You can transform your inner world and your state of emotions and your outlook and your perspective. Uh, that it's possible. There's ways to do it and to give you some planted seed of like, if I grow this, my life will change. So that's that's my intent in doing this. Uh, hi, Daniel. Welcome. Good. Hey. What's up? Um, so tell everybody who's going to watch this. Who who you who who are you? What are you? Where where are you? Some basics, and then we'll get deeper. Who am I? My identity. <laughs> okay. You're, the name uh, the name that other people gave you that you still use. <laughs> I'm Daniel. I'm from Tel Aviv, Israel. I'm 22, quite young. I work as a coach, a life coach. And that's it, I think. And I like meditating and playing video games, you know, like, and pizza. Med meditating, video games, pizza. Uh, you're, you're a big and salad. That's salad. Let's balance it. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're trying to acknowledge you have some healthy things you're practicing. Okay. Um, so you're coaching people how to get through their stories and their beliefs and their emotions and their self-talk. Uh, you enjoy it? I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. What is, we're, we're going to get to like, this is not something, a job you just pick up. Um, why? What's, what, what, what about it gets you excited about it? What about it is fun or satisfying? Good question. Uh, I think there's a few aspects to it. Keep on the deepest level knowing uh deep suffering myself i am really passionate about helping people out of that because when you're in deep suffering you tend to believe there's no way out of that and uh you don't necessarily get reinforced with a belief that yes there is a way out and you can actually be happy and feel good and I love helping people go through that journey out of suffering and, and then even see like how good it can get. And the other aspect is, you know, I, I think coaching is fresh. It's in the moment. It's creative. It's insightful for me as well when I do it. And I like that play of kind of helping someone navigate their stories and lives and 
and even take action in the world and create what they want. It's all really fun. It's like a game and it's really fresh. It's like a game. Because I, I, I think of it as a game of like, how can I, I would use the word manipulate. What action can I take to, to draw a response out of this person that they're no longer going to believe that negative thought? You know? So is it manipulative? Yeah, it's manipulative for their benefit. But it's, it's a trial and error. We'll yeah, like, try this. Try this. Didn't touch. Try yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, for me, creativity in the moment to it. That's yeah. Play, that's playful, creative, creative, playful. Like, oh, I'm going to try this. Yeah. And it is fresh. That's how it feels to me. Yeah. Okay. So there's something about that deep suffering you said that you know tell me tell me where that started what i mean there were different things in your life at different times and ups and downs but what was what was that point maybe your low point like and when was that okay yeah there's a lot of lens that i could take to how it started but if we just focus on kind of the low points, my first bout of real suffering depression was when I was 13. Mm -hmm. uh, it really crushed me and started having suicidal thoughts and crying every day, which was when I, basically the prettiest girl in the class, I was sitting next to her and I, and I actually had a lot of confidence in myself in a way. And then she, for some reason, she's, I don't know, passed me a note saying you are ugly. And then for some reason, because, you know, other people would be like, whatever, or for, it touched something in me that kind of broke Daniel that day, like completely uh, emotionally. Did you, did you have her really kind of high on a pedestal? I don't think so. Okay. I was just being me, really. I, I Until that age i was less really thinking what other people think but and i actually grew up in a place where there's not a lot of bullying at primary school so i never experienced anyone saying negative things about me actually too much okay. and okay. maybe it was like really wanting hair and all that uh, okay so so she sends you this note and then what what happened I just really believed her completely, started being embarrassed about myself, uh, you know, hiding my face, being ashamed of how I look, just changed completely, I think. Uh, and really deep suffering every day. Uh, and that went on for about two years, I would say. Then, you know, you grow, you kind of build some confidence up. But then it crashed again because <laughs> of some other girl. But then I get to the lowest point, not to, okay, which was actually a period where I was really building this high pedestal when I was 16. And, you know, I was good in school. I was successful. At, and uh had a 
gorgeous girlfriend at the time, still have, still with her. And I kind of had this image of I have everything I want. Like I, I got all my goals, I'm set. And then for some reason, I, I didn't feel half satisfied. And then for some reason, that lack of satisfaction turned into questions in my head about life and what it's all about and why am I here and all that and not knowing how to answer that somehow I became really depressed uh, and suicidal and there's probably a bunch there's some other factors to that uh, but that drove me to a really low point uh, at 16 where I was I thought I was losing my mind and I, yeah, I basically really considered, or we can say, you know, a part of my mind considered ending it there, like, and I thought that I'll never recover because it felt so bad. How long, how long was it like that from 16 to? Uh, that bad, I think 16 to 17. Good, a good year, year and a half. Yeah. And if I didn't do anything, it would have stayed or gotten worse. Yeah. What, what caused you to do something? What, what was the kind of internal self-talk that was like, okay, I got to try something or I remember what it was like to be happy. I want to get back there. It was like, what? what was the the kind of mental realization or mindset shift that says, I'm going to take action and change this? I think there's, again, a few factors to it, looking at it at the time. One was I just had this sense that I can be happy. It was like an inner fire there. It was still there, even though it, I felt so bad. There was some fire there like, that, you know, I, I tasted happiness. And I know it's there. Uh, I have memories of being happy from younger ages. And just that drove me to, to believe that it is possible. And then there was a few blessings in disguise. I don't know how to explain it. Two times where I don't know what happened. One time I was taking a shower and suddenly I just felt and I was really depressed at that time. And suddenly I felt huge joy. And like everything was lifted and the world is amazing. And just out of nowhere, I felt that. And then I took a walk outside and like, wow, life is amazing. It's beautiful. Wow. And then my mind started coming back on about two hours later and I went back. But I had that experience. And there was one time doing yoga that it also happened. And so that also drove me to see that maybe something's possible. Describe the experience of, you call it depression. What's the feeling? What's your behavior during the day? But mostly like, what's the internal dialogue like? Because I think that's a big part of it. But I don't know, what was it for you? Because like some people may not know like, depression's an abstract thing like what what's the experience of it 
Yeah, depression is really hell. Uh, I would say it's uh, in in the dialogue. It's a constant dialogue that life is horrible, that everything is horrible, that I'm horrible, that uh, everything is bad. You know, the world is empty of meaning. Uh, there's no meaning in anything, stuff like that. And the feeling is despair and just being shut off completely from life. It's like darkness, really. Darkness as a feeling. Yeah. Hopefully. But no, it really seems like darkness. Yeah. Darkness. Okay. Darkness as a feeling. Okay. Yeah. I would say even more, like my, your mind will imagine the color black more when you're depressed. Fades out the colors. Like from, it looks different from when you had that moment in yoga or out of the shower and you look around, it's, it's light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's light, yellow, it's happy, pink. Vibrant, it, full of life. Yes. Possibility. The darkness is, we're in hell. <laughs> There's only hell. There's no place else. There's nothing else. Yeah. yeah. Pa it paints the, the, the picture of the world that way. Yeah. Kind of the summary. Everything is horrible. I'm horrible and the world's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So what things did you try to like okay there's possibility there's there's a seed you felt something a couple times you remember it in the past like this isn't the only way to live not everybody sees the world this way how do i change my perception you know and we don't think in those terms you know usually we kind of think of the solution as like how do i not be horrible how do i be great you know because our, our mind makes the solution Oh, if I'm horrible and I feel miserable, like I must try and be great and then I'll feel good, which isn't the answer. Because uh, a person can be very successful and miserable. Which is my, was my experience. How so? Because oh. that's what, how it started. I felt like I had all my goals, like really good school, girls. That, what else do you need at that age? Nothing. So. And life is horrible. And Yeah. At first, there was like a peak of like, wow, Sala. And then there's a crash to that. Yeah. Better that you discover that, you know, at 16 and, and have time, more time to go through the journey <laughs> than 26, 36, 46, 56 and have that. Yeah, no, it's a blessing. The depression is a blessing. And I mean it. Uh, yeah. We can talk maybe about that more. Uh, well, okay. So tell me, tell me how you, your narrative, your perspective, you see it as a blessing. Because that, that's how you describe it now. Yeah. Uh, to Why me, it's that? a blessing because, yeah, it, it took me deeper into what's really important. It cut off all the distractions and illusions and made me really look inside, uh, deeply inside into what's going on with me. And yes, ask those important questions that start rising in my head. Like, what's life about? What am I doing? Uh, you know, realizing that, you know, what about happiness? Why am I not considering that as an important thing? Because and having the girlfriend and getting good grades. Yeah. Didn't, wasn't the trick. So it must be some no, other mechanism. I used mechanism to believe 100% that it is. 
That's how that's success and therefore yeah. happiness. I had friends with a girlfriend that were unhappy and like, what? How is that possible? If I had all that, then I would be happy. No, apparently not. Uh, and yeah, it took me deeper and it took me on this journey. Okay. Okay. Of self-discovery at a young age, which is a, a big bonus. To looking inward, which you wouldn't have done if you'd stayed in those external sources of happiness. Outward yeah. success, having stuff. Yeah, to look really deeply inward, because I actually was interested at a time reading stuff about confidence and that, but it's really shallow. Okay. Yeah, how to, how to get girls and then feel good around women and that level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so you go looking deeper. How does that start? Well, how, what does one do to go look deeper? What did you go I didn't do? know. Yeah, you, you probably didn't even know that you were going to go look deeper. Or I did. What that, what no, that, that I did. You did, okay. I was like, no, I'm going to... I was actually had this thought, you know, I'm going to give this a year to be happier and I may end it if not, was actually an idea. In my life, suicidal thought. Yeah, but I was like, I'm going to do it, everything. How, how seriously was that a consideration? I don't know. Yeah, but it was a thought. Was but I was at least like willing to try anything. Okay. Okay, I'm going to try anything to change this. Yeah. All right. So how does one come around to, I'm going to look more deeply inward at my values or my core beliefs or my emotions, or is that even like clear as a, an agenda or is it more a matter of, Oh, I'm going to try meditation or I'm going to try yoga. I'm going to, uh, you know, how clearly did you understand what you were going to go do? I think I had that fire in me and I realized it's something inside because I, again, I had this sense that I can be happy and I had those experiences and I realized it must be inside. I, I, I forgot com almost completely about trying to change the outside. Uh, so I started checking things like Googling how to be happy, uh, yoga, because that was one of the results. <laughs> and, uh, mindfulness meditation and I asked my parents to see a therapist and and I found the four agreements and went from there the book the four agreements Miguel Reese okay so what did the, the four agreements lead you to that was the most powerful one uh it made me again to see a new possibility and experience some changes somehow just by reading it and I went on a binge reading reading all Miguel's books you didn't know about that, did you? And no. reading all his son's books, like Don Miguel Jr. and Don Jose Ruiz and their podcasts and just being totally invested in that. Uh, and that really helped. Without doing anything, actually, just reading that, listening. No, no practices, just absorbing. Maybe a bit, like in the books, or just absorbing maybe a bit meditation, but I still have a hard time uh being consistent with it yeah yeah no it's it's the 
when when you don't have a lot of personal power or discipline and focus to 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 get yourself out of that emotional pit and do things listening to a podcast watching a youtube like of somebody like that uh the ruizes or and that's why i do the podcast people told me a lot like my podcasts have kind of kept them above water and it's been the starting point of because it takes the you're getting a benefit with the least amount of effort yeah huh. you're getting to dream their dream their consciousness with the least amount of effort yeah okay so you go down the miguel ruiz world what's your favorite book from him and the boys his sons I said the boys. They're men. What <laughs> you call the boys? I knew, <laughs> I, I knew them when they were like in high school. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, high school. They're old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now they're. I call them the boys, but they're men. Okay, so yeah. Now they're, this is twenty-five years ago. Uh, so I'll say from each one, from Miguel Ruiz the father. I, I'm not. What I like all of them. Uh, I think the most powerful one for me was the, in terms of change, was the voice of knowledge was the most powerful one. Okay. Because I realized what the voice in my head was doing. And, but really the one I really got into is actually Junior. I read his books a lot and listened to all his podcasts and powerful book, The Five Levels of Attachment, really powerful book. And also The Master Yourself. Like really powerful book. Okay. Good. Good. I know he's he's worked hard at his craft. Uh, he's practiced a lot. So good. What then was okay? So you go down that absorption of that. What what other big pockets of of you know, content did you, you know, fully go into? At that time or later on? Yeah, th th at that time and then, yeah. Let's start at that time. At that time, time the Ruizes and mm -hmm. therapy, uh, yeah. which was good. And just the Ruizes. Okay. I even had the story, like, I'm just, no one else is good, just them. <laughs> I'm not believing anything else. Because <laughs> it was working for you, it was helping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the other stuff was helping. Okay, so then so then, what, what progressed later and why were other things good later? Because cause this is the thing. Things that resonate for someone at a certain point, uh, you know, may, may not resonate as well later. And certain things you're like, I don't get it, I don't like it. You hear it a year or two later or five years later and you're like oh wow you know it, it you're yes you're, what your your ears and your mind is absorbing is a completely different message than what your ego was rejecting you know six yeah. months or two years before so exactly yeah, there's a there's a timing to the message that you're receiving so because of something's terrible now doesn't mean in two years it's going to be terrible it means it might be gold two years so it's just so, so what became good material later that helped you? Your stuff first. But again, I didn't have resistance to your stuff because I was looking for a course 
that teaches Don Miguel Ruiz was in my mind. Like, I got to find someone who does a course on that. Okay. So that's how I found you somehow. I don't remember. That, you just start with the online course? You start with my book, MindWorks? The book. Okay. And then you said you carried that book around all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, were you, people what were you about it. <laughs> what were you doing with my book? And asking me, what are you writing, Daniel? Because you were, oh, you weren't just reading my book. You were doing the journaling and writing exercises. Yeah, that was, a, a, a let's say that was already after I was out of depression, not happy, but in a better state. And uh, maybe a year and a half later, I was in the army and I would take your book and a notebook and write stuff around uh, for most of the day. <laughs> you were writing most of the day. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. sometimes in the military, you sit around and you aren't doing much. No, I didn't have much to do. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. So that, how did how did what what was happening while you're doing the writing and the exercises? What is what is why, why do that? Something must be changing, or you're noticing some differences with those particular exercises. You're like you're doing it again the next day. You're putting in the effort. There's something worthwhile coming from it yeah what was that i think first i had a lot of faith in you because of you've been taught by don miguel ruiz so i had a lot of faith already okay and i liked i had shifts just from reading the book mind works i had a lot of realizations and then starting the writing and the journaling and all that gave me an understanding of what's going on in my mind and start started having some gap from it slowly over time and just learning new things Start, starting to have a gap between you and your mind you could watch your mind yeah. and be separate from it yeah and sometimes seeing really clear insights on how my mind works that shifted things around uh yeah and i just really i just had this inner sense like that i can't explain that start from the start when i was really depressed i would just like keep going daniel keep doing it and that's why I was diligent. From that point where you made a decision, okay, I'm going to try something for a year, whatever it takes. Did you notice when it was a year? And Yes. Did you come to that about. same day about that time and, and do a reflection? Not the on... same day, but like about the same months or something. And yeah. go, oh, and it's been a year. Like, what did you, what did you, how much had things improved? And what did you decide at that point? Because then it's a, another decision point. You're like, oh, I've, I've taken my one year commitment. I'm here. Now what? Was it like that? No, I just realized I'm doing better. Uh, that was just by reading the books and stuff. I seem to be making progress. Then I started doing exercises from the book, The Mastery of Self every day. Mm -hmm. And I seem to be slowly getting better. So it already started feeling like, yeah, I'm getting better. It's going to keep going and see where it goes. I was already meditating pretty consistently. And, and I already had that seed from reading Miguel's books of what's possible. And that was, that is still today. It's still always in front of me. Uh, and I, it never left. And so I was driven already. Okay. You, you knew where you were going. 
What's the kind of stuff that you noticed in your mind? What did you notice it was doing in these exercises and the writing? What did, and you had these shifts from reading the book. What, what were some of those, you know, that, because we talk a lot in the self-mastery community, like what are these small wins? You were having these small wins, these little things when you'd read something or write something and shift. What kind of things were those? Because some people, yeah, some think, people look for like, oh, I want to be there. I want to be like in that, oh, everything's beautiful, happiness state. And they look for that and they think, because I'm not getting that, I'm failing. When, they, when the real practice is like, okay, what are you doing? What's a little shift today? What's a little shift? What's a little shift? What's a little shift? That's going to build and get you there. So I want to like tell people like, what are those things? How big are yeah, they? How small yeah, are they? totally. Yeah. Uh, just thinking, so doing your book and your work was in the army. Uh, I was, I was definitely a challenging time. And, but just, just a memory coming up was this woman who was a bit higher ranked than me. It was really, she seemed, I think that was true though. And she was nicer to most people than me for some reason. We weren't, weren't compatible, but no, just, she was really mean to me one day for no reason. And then I felt really offended. And then the, the win was like, that's the victim. That, I remember that. And then it's like, oh, relief. Like, that's not me. And, and then also skepticism, like, why do I even care about what she has to say? Uh, she's not that important. So that was a small win or a big win. You can separate and see my mind is doing that with a victim story. That's, that's the victim part of my mind, taking it personally, click. Yeah. And that awareness gap to that part of the mind. Yeah. The emotion changed. Yeah. Or small wins like doing un, what people would be say unenjoyable, like cleaning or stuff like that, but practicing mindfulness and, and also awareness of stories. I was actually able to, enjoy cleaning is a win and we're staying needing to sleep at the base because i wasn't sleeping there and you know my mom was telling the story this is horrible i hate it it was about once a month that it was twice a month it was happening and then writing about that and seeing maybe having some skepticism of that story and seeing there's some enjoyable stuff like i could be outside i could see the moon it's pretty quiet and seeing that it's not as bad as my mind says, it's really the, the story that is really bad. That's key. There's the circumstance, but you say the story about the circumstance is what made the experience bad. Yeah, and I would actually ask myself all the time, I would like, what would Miguel or Gary experience here? Like, but it, it helped me get the sense of what's possible and get shift into that. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking some of the things I went through in my process and it's like, it's, it's funny, but yeah those those same realizations holy smokes here i am and i'm making myself miserable 
in this beautiful place. What am I doing? Uh, We're going to get out of this story. Yeah, it's the narrative story. The demon, the demon that puts us in hell is the narrative story. Puts us in emotional hell. Yeah. Yeah. And the collected emotional pain, I would say. The collected we have that we collect and don't release. Oh, from our history in life that we haven't processed those past emotions. Yes. Yeah. And our story rides on top of those emotions. So yes, they they end up being merged together often in the story. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you if you dissolve the story, you're gonna cleanse out those emotions that are connected to it in the history. So yes. Okay, so you're doing the work. You're writing, you're doing the self-mastery course, you're journaling, you're meditating regularly. Feeling better. What's the, what's the emotional change over time and day to day? Because I tell people the process goes like this. You know, it's the, it's the long term, you get better, ups and downs day to day. How would you describe it? Yeah, it's definitely ups and downs day to day, but then it's like it's if it's like you crash, the crash is smaller over time and the ups go higher. So it's like starts going up mm-hmm. over time. And you know, I think I realized somewhere in my first or second year that I just had this realization one day when I was walking that nothing in life could trouble me that bad anymore. That was powerful for me to see. And I think it's not normal for most people. Like I, I felt like nothing is really that bad. Nothing could happen that's really that bad. And so that means the crashes are less. Well, I, I'm curious if anything prompted that. Because that's a concluding statement, but what what was the thought process that brought you to that conclusion? Was it, it, was it a that, thought process? What, what just popped into your head or was it a realization like, wait a minute, I now have some dominion over the stories and I can get a gap between me and my story mind. And so I, I, I feel like I have agency over what I feel now or was it just a realization and yeah and i think it was deeper than that in the sense of seeing having some glimpses of what i really am as as conscious awareness and starting to feel that even though i didn't have a name for it i started to get that sense that there's always peace in the background of my life i just noticed it okay so now we now we move out of this identification with the mind and you're starting to identify as an awareness and consciousness what's happening how's that happening what are you doing so at that time it wasn't clear i was i wasn't even aware that it's happening but i just thinking back it's just that sense that there that you know there's some i don't know <laughs> it's the best i could say is like it's it's you know it was like <laughs> it's a sense of safety in a way or peace peace that passes all understanding is the best I could call it. 
pace that passes all understanding. You felt connected to that and in that, in a way. Yeah, more, and more, I mean, more at regular. that time, I wasn't even aware of teachings about all that. Uh, On the spiritual side of things. Yeah, or didn't even have a belief about what consciousness is or a story. I just had that sense that there's something there. There's a piece there that, that is undisturbed, like nothing can be really that bad anymore. Yeah, I remember a big moment like that. Um, remember lots of moments like that. Okay, so you're. Then what's going on in your life? Do people see the people see the changes in you, or were you hiding the depression? Uh, do they, or is it slowly over time? So it's not really noticeable how you're different. You know, what's happening in your relationships outside world? And I don't know, were people worried about you that you were suicidal before? And now you're like, uh, you know, what, what's going on that you're managing the external world relationships and interactions? Good question. Uh, well, when I was depressed, I actually really tried to hide it. But I, I, it apparently was so apparent that when I came, because it started like, before school started, like in the summer vacation, the first day of school, like a few people in my class that are not close friends, but that I don't know, was like, what is something ha happening with you? Are you okay? And so people could tell. Uh, yeah. I, so I, it was hard to hide, I guess. Uh, and then over time, people forget about it. And I didn't tell anyone that I had suicidal thoughts, so that I kept between me and myself. And me and my own mind. And uh, did you did you tell your therapist you had them? No. Why 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 not tell your therapist? I got suicidal thoughts. I I had the part that was afraid that you'll think that it's really dangerous. Yeah, I think I told them about it later when it was less. Um, yeah. 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 Even this, we're not, we're not used to telling other people, even trained professionals about our darkness. No, we're, we're, our tendency is to hide it. I was actually trying to pretend I'm happy help. with him. You'd be surprised. I was actually trying to pretend that everything's good. Even with him, he would say, what's going on? Like, good. Uh, only, you know, yeah. What what was that about? I don't know. I yeah, I think a part of me didn't want to be judged for being unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. Sense of I'm failing, I should be happy, then I'm gonna give you this image of yeah, what you think I should be and hide what's inside. Yeah. yeah. And we and we sabotage the very thing we're going to the therapist and paying money for. Yeah, because we're dishonest. And I also hoped, I also hope that if I just try to be pretend I'm happy, I will be happy. How'd that work? Now I felt worse. Felt worse. Because it's a lot of energy uh, being spent to be false, and you receive less support. People that know. 
even my friends, like, I think I would hide it so they wouldn't know how bad it is after a while. Uh, In a way, the story trying to protect them, not make, so they didn't worry. Yeah, or just really pretending, yeah. So my partner also, so I would kind of hide it. And it took, and it took a lot more energy. And you say you felt worse. Why worse? It was a part that believed like I'm a phony. I'm faking it. No one's seeing the real me, which is in a way true. No one's seeing what's really going on with me, at least. Yeah. And and it's a lot of energy again because you feel really bad. You already drain of energy because you're depressed. Now you extend the energy you have left to pretend. That's it's um, interesting. And you also don't want to be drag people down. Was my thought. Like I, I'm with my partner. I don't want to burden her with everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm with my parents or friends. I don't want to burden them with whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some there's some good intentions in there. Um, makes it a little harder too and also i think we don't want to burden people but we also most people don't know how to deal with it most people don't know how to be around it they're going to be uncomfortable so they would be burdened and they would worry and they would spend a lot of energy that wouldn't be helpful uh yeah so you know and i feel very blessed that actually my parents and my partner were really when i did let them know some time time, they're really uh accepting and supportive and we like we're gonna give you everything you need uh that was really good good how do how did you come to do that? I think that's helpful. How did you come to do that and get that kind of response to like, okay, this is what's really going on. Did, did you like slowly let out little pieces over time to your partner, Sometimes, your parents? Like just asking for a therapist was a way I was telling my parents, you know, I feel really bad. I want a therapist because mm-hmm. well, I had in my head the therapists have it all figured out. So they're going to help me figure whatever is going on uh but no but i was like yeah and then we lie to him and tell him i'm fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah so that that's that's <laughs> yeah so that's uh, but yeah work. and yeah i couldn't hide it too much and again i did i have a sense of safety with my parents they always support me okay and my partner still was a new partner but i got the sense that she's a supportive person and she was she is and so yeah did that help was that a valuable move to make those connections to be honest and kind of vulnerable about what's going on yeah how'd that feel because those are wins those are big wins to open up and be honest and take the mask off and say here's what here's this other part that's going on those are big wins so yeah it was really helpful just because you know you're not alone yeah. there's people who have your back and also i i think that there's something about when you just say to people what you're going through that starts 
creating a change by itself. And you even start seeing things clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a big part is you're taking, you're, you're, you're no longer spending the energy to put the pretend on. So there you have more personal power energy. You're also not hiding and, and feeling the shame. And so you're, the story's out. There's a kind of relief. And so you let go of some shame. You're like, okay, well, now they know this thing that I'm afraid of and what's going to happen. It's like, well, okay, now we're here. So you can let go of the fear and the shame. So like a couple layers come off when you do that with people. That then you yeah. can like take the next step and do the next layer. Yeah. Yeah. And I was crying every day and I would hide it, like do my best to be quiet. But then one day I made the decision not to hide it. And my mom came in and helped me out and was supportive. And so, and she didn't freak out and that was good. Cool. Cool. All right. Little win, little win, little win. Any, any of those wins that were like, like you said, were like all of a sudden this burst. Did those moments happen? Yet, they will. But any of those happen yet? They're like, oh, this is completely different. Um, like big one-off burst. Uh, yeah. Might have been a few uh, mediocre bursts, at least. Mediocre bursts. <laughs> medium size, medium size bursts. Okay. Yeah, I think like the voice of knowledge. Miguel spoke writes about doing everything with love, uh -huh. and I was practicing that, and I never felt happier. You just consciously, intentfully put that into action. It's like, okay, I'm gonna do everything with love. Yeah. To feel that. Yeah. At a certain point, yeah, you feel like, oh, love's coming out of me. I have. And everything was fun, enjoyable. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, I think there were a few, I just hard to recall. Uh, I think working with you coaching, uh, I think, yeah, that was big shift. The first session or two. Oh, so. I just felt like a new person every time, like so much emotion dropped. I think that was a huge win. I, I would tell my partner, like, I feel like I'm a new person. Uh, the first few sessions, especially like things were falling. Those were big. Okay. It was in an emotional level, like I felt different. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. and yeah and that one time also <laughs> in coaching where I asked you you know oh, that was a huge one actually here's one so I was going to sleep a few days before and I was just like observing my thoughts as I was going to sleep and I saw okay I, observe, I can observe this and observe that and there was thoughts about the thought and I saw that I can also observe that and that was just like silence suddenly and a sense of peace and like, whoa, <laughs> like I'm not any of those. And I felt amazing. 
then a few days and then I then mine was getting confused and we had the session and I asked you like well what am I uh and then you took me on an exploration of that with like the invitation to freedom I don't know if you remember that yeah it was a meditation yeah, yeah. And it was like the invitation to freedom from Muji and and that was whoa because then I was like wow I felt free after that realizing what I really am as consciousness and my mind was really quiet for a few days. Then my ego started like <laughs> feeling really important that I experienced that. <laughs> I would go to, I was studying being a meditation teacher back then. I would go to the classes. I was like, I'm, I'm like, my mind was like, I'm above them. Like I, I got some <laughs> deeper makes a, makes, makes a big story about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. But I was aware of that also, you know, so thankfully. Good for you. Good for you. What what when I when I think about you in the process and coaching, I got to know you and like we, we there were some emails back and forth, I think, before that questions yeah i was in the army i don't know if you remember i was messaging you sometimes yeah i get an email something or you were doing doing the online <laughs> course and self-mastery and so yeah uh but no now that now that i talk to you semi-regular though it's like and what you're practicing for you know you you're studying different things to become a better coach and so you're 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 just grabbing all these tools and toolkits to, to just practice them for yourself so you're happier, but also that you have more tools and equipment to, to work with other people with. So one of the things that I see you do is your willingness to try new things, try different things. Like, okay, I'm gonna try stuff for a year and like, I'm gonna do it and like, What else do you feel like for whatever is in your background and the way you go about it helps you? So there's a willingness to try and experiment. Yeah, I see. That's big. Yeah. And 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 often is action when you have enough energy, like, okay, I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna go do a meditation, I'm gonna go do a coaching sessions, I'm gonna go do the the writing, the journaling, like you 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 put into action. That's big. You Miguel Ruiz Jr.'s book, and you'd like practice the lessons and the exercise in your book. Okay, I'm going to put into action. So, so a willingness to try different things, to put into action. What else do you think? Like, okay, what, what's, what do I do? How do I go about this? That's really helped me. Thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah, I think that's the most powerful thing. Uh, diligence, as you mentioned. Uh, which is a good habit I developed actually in school, kind of studying for tests and stuff like that. So that was really effective. So you had that, you and had that discipline. Yeah, I was already disciplined to do homework and study for tests. So I would just took that to inner work. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, yeah, the openness, being open. And I think a big one where people miss out 
is actually suspending what your mind has to say about a teaching, a teacher proposed exercise, because the mind will already, in my experience, say, like, half believe what someone says, or half try it, you know, it's like, yeah, I heard that, right, you know, I'm not gonna really try it, you know, not really follow through the instructions completely, so I would be really also kind of diligent in seeing, like, what's the instruction, like you in your exercises, I would really. Okay, what is Gary pointing to? Uh, As opposed to the mind dismissing and say, "Oh, I understand that already. Therefore, I don't need to do the exercise." Yeah. Or saying, Which still happen. I don't really agree with that, so I'm not going to do it. Or, uh, "Oh, I'll just do I'm this. Much, do I'll it. do it this way. I'll do yeah. it my own way." All of those kinds yeah. of things. It did happen also, but I was more oh, aware of, of it, and I would catch it faster. Yeah. And another one was, because I would see all these teachers, there's such a core, pra just common practice of not believing your thoughts and being the observer of them. And already with my therapist, even starting out, he would teach me that. And this was super helpful because that was the biggest thing. I would always observe my thoughts and be skeptical of them. And yeah, just really be clear that I'm the observer of the thoughts from, from the beginning and own that in was really powerful. To, to me, that's the, that's the fundamental, you can't do anything. You can't make any change to your mind until you do that. And that's why the, yeah. kind of the whole self-mastery course is set up so you can do that. Because it's like the idea of like, oh, be the observer of your thought, that concept is not the same as putting into action. No. You know, it's like, okay, what, okay, that's the idea. How do you put that into action? And that's what I was like, okay, this is the critical thing I put in the self-mastery course. Like you, you can put it into action if yeah. you do this because otherwise you get nowhere. And at the same time, there's this loop where, which is what I'm talking about. It's like, now I, I will listen to a lesson and the mind will say something about it or, or suddenly the mind would find a really good excuse to react, get angry, tell a story. You should really be thinking more, Daniel. Mm -hmm. And then I would be caught with that, but then I would have this helpful thought. It was like, wait, don't all these teachers talk about observing the mind. Let's do that. And that would do it. And that would happen often because I was like, I'm going to listen to what, you know, I trust Gary. I trust Miguel later on. I, like I trust Eckhart Tolle. I'm going to take their advice and not what my mind is saying. Mm, I'm going to take their advice and not what my mind is saying. You could see that. And you, you regularly had to reaffirm that, okay, I'm going to take their advice and not what my mind says. Yeah, till today sometimes, yeah.
I want to let that sit because that's one of the biggest transformations that I that I did in my process. Where I had I had a real wrestling match with my mind for a few days and realized and I and I looked at everything that it was doing, and I looked at everything that I Miguel was teaching and guiding and experiences from him. And this is after a year studying with him and apprenticing with him. Uh, and I was I was doing this big inventory. And I was okay. Here's everything that my mind is giving me, and here's everything that Miguel is giving me. And I go, I'm going to get to trust Miguel more than my mind. Yeah. 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 And that was a huge turning point. Yeah. And it's because I think also I reflecting back, I had this strong belief. And if you want to be good at something, you do what the, someone who's good at it is doing. It's really that simple. If you know Gary, Miguel, Eckhart are good at being peaceful and happy, let's take their like let's see what they're doing let's follow that you know? follow their recipe don't don't make your yeah. own, make up your own recipe like they know they have a recipe they know how to do this exactly it's like you know you want to play the guitar you take a guitar teacher now what you're gonna do the opposite of what he tells you that doesn't make sense he tells you do this technique you do the other one then why you take the teacher Okay. That is a big piece of medicine. Yeah. But there was, there's a, there's a, there's a place where we should be skeptical of these random internet people and authors, and this is a scam. And can I trust them? And where is this going? Because this is one of the wrestling matches. And is this, because at the time when yeah. I met Miguel, there was no book. Uh, he wasn't established. He'd show up in the town once a month and we'd do these weekend workshops and, you know, there was no internet research of reviews and uh, Amazon of <laughs> book reviews or, you know, so, so I couldn't look anywhere to get credibility. Uh, I, and my mind is running with, is this guy a cult leader? Am I going to end up in a cult? Kind of thing. <laughs> And that's also really important. So I wasn't trusting at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I took my time, but when I'm like, when I trusted, I trusted. Yeah. So but you, you, you took the time to evaluate what is here. And I had an inner sense, you know, it's more like a feeling. It's your gut feeling yeah. that really tells you what's safe or not. It's not the intellect. Because yeah. I had some other avenues I checked and I was like, uh, something doesn't, feel right like let's say well i'm not gonna mention names but i had some other avenues where i saw you know this doesn't you know maybe this person is really well known doesn't resonate with me something feels inauthentic to me yeah what is the what is the quality of the message and the dream and uh yeah that's i think that's important not to not to blindly have faith and and no. accept a teacher or a process, but like take your time to evaluate. And there's a really good uh, bit in Jack Cornfield books, one of the first ones I read when I started doing my, my inner journey called A Path with Heart. And he talked about well, like, how to evaluate a teacher. 
Hmm. And one, one was, you know, a couple of them were like, okay, what's the depth of their lineage? Are they, are they, did they go study a bunch of little weekend workshops from a bunch of different people, or did they study from somebody who had depth and took them deep and they stayed with them a long time? Yeah. Okay. Because then you got somebody who went deep as opposed to somebody who tried all sorts of different things and said, oh, now I got all these surface level things. Sounds very intelligent, but are they deep? And then the other bit was, uh, are, are they the big uh, persona or do they bring other people up? And why I watched, you know. That's important. Yeah. Here's, That's why I trusted you and Miguel. What is that? I felt you were humble. I had, I had a really hard time with people I didn't feel were humble. That was a big turnoff. And okay. Eckhart Tolle as well. You know, like just Miguel saying, don't believe what I say, already makes him trust him more. This <laughs> is the paradox. Yeah. And yeah, and with clients, sometimes they ask me, you know, how can I trust this or you or this process? I say, don't. Get to know me. Try it out. See what feels good for you. Yeah. Don't blind me. Please don't blindly trust me. Please don't do that. No, I don't want those clients. I don't want those clients to just go, okay, tell me everything I'm going to, you know, it's like, no, I want you to be skeptical and think for yourself and to be evaluate who to listen to and who to trust and who's giving you a good message and who's, you know, giving you ego. It's like, yeah. I want you to have that awareness and, and know when your own inner guidance is giving you good information or good message and when it's ego. It's like, so the, it's the, the exact opposite of where I want to guide people out of the Yeah, the, the and that would be abandoning story. their authenticity. Exactly. So, yeah. I don't want to so, do so you have to go through this, you know, don't believe me, but take time to listen and evaluate the message yeah you know exactly. and then decide you know take take what helps and discard what doesn't you know, have to live, you know. Yeah. yeah yeah so there's this there's this paradox when you say i'm not going to trust my mind i'm going to trust this person and their message and i'm going to do what they say the way they say to do it but you have to transition to experiment with that in smaller steps and bigger steps and bigger steps it's just like okay now i'm gonna wait before you do that definitely yeah. wait before you yeah. do that yeah take your time experiment test it and slowly transition your faith and your trust into okay this is this is a really good dream i'm gonna trust them more and more yeah i think that's a very incremental thing yeah definitely yeah away from our own mind but this is this is the funny paradox right is in our own mind ego mind evaluating <laughs> and interfering with how to evaluate what they're giving because here's here's the particular challenge at a certain point the ego mind is is threatened by the teacher yeah <laughs> and we'll say and we'll push us to be afraid of them like it did with miguel push them to think oh they got such importance they think they're all it will push the stories of being afraid or that of judgments of the teacher 
And now you have this dilemma. Do, do you come to, do you trust your mind? Do you have the awareness of what it's doing when it's doing that? When it's feeling really threatened, because if you if you're trusting the teacher and the message and the process, the ego is getting dissolved and it feels threatened. Yeah. So, so this is another hump to get over. A certain. That's point. when I had that. I went to being the observer. So mm. that's why it's a good habit. And I had that with you. You know, scary Gary image in my head, <laughs> dark Gary. Dark but Gary. I was observing that. So here I was, not believing it. Uh, yeah. Maybe I even told you about it. I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, well, could be. But this, but this is this is where you like you take the time to develop that observer skill to see what the mind is doing. To make that as a conscious choice. And a person's not prepared to do that in the beginning. You have to develop the conscious awareness to. To see that happening. Yeah. 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 It's tricky. <laughs> So what, so what was that scary Gary thing you had to observe? You're curious now. I'm, all, I'm very uh, curious. I'm always curious. I'm, fasc <laughs> I'm fascinated by people's journey and these little moments that take their life in a completely different direction and how impactful yeah. that is. But I'm also curious because you're not the only person who's experienced that or will experience it. And some people will be helpful to know like what to prepare for and, and oh, that'll give them insight to, oh, my mind is doing this. This is, this is what it's doing and it will help other people. Yeah, I think just, it wasn't evidence-based. It was just this story. I think a few, like my mind was wondering, how could it be that it's so accepting of me and like, doesn't he have an agenda? Uh, and my mind didn't make sense of that. Or maybe, you know, he was like, yeah, like saying, maybe it's, it looks, maybe it started saying a story, Gary has self-importance. But it wasn't based on anything. Because, yeah, I, I didn't like people where I sense a lot of self-importance, which... Uh, and was starting to say that about you. But then, you know, is that really true? And, and you know, it, it even like making sense, like Gary always talks about self-importance and how it detri is detrimental to your happiness. So that doesn't make sense. that his whole teaching or a lot of his teaching is about that. And now he has that somewhere that didn't add up. I can still have self-importance. It's still there in my mind. It's still a temptation. But compared to where I used to have it, you know, I used to be 90% self-importance, you know? And, and my 10% <laughs> humility. My humility was really just self-judgment uh, and, and beliefs I'm not good enough kind of humility. But then, over years, it's less self-important, sometimes more. But the long game is, I think, more humility and integrity and less and less self-importance. But, you know, maybe I'm, you know, I have a half. I have 10% of what I have. I, I used to have, I don't know. Maybe I'll, next week I'll discover, oh, my God, I got a huge amount. <laughs> 
See, but the fact that you're sharing that makes me trust you more. <laughs> See? Yeah. But I feel like I'm, I'm sharing the truth of... Exactly. You know, uh, still human. I'm still capable of, of believing lies. But I'm getting better. <laughs> Keep practicing. Good for you. Thanks for trusting me. Thank you. Thank you for all your help. It's been, it's been fun traveling along with you for a while. What's next? Where are you now that the world isn't horrible and you're not horrible? Or maybe the world's the same and you're the same, but your story is completely different. What's next? What are you, what are you endeavoring to go do? What's on your agenda to go explore and experiment with? Your, your coaching, your new coaching business. Yeah, well, inner, let's say inner world and outer world, let's say, let's talk about both. Uh, yeah. Inner world, I think just more happiness, more growth, more healing, more exploration. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some emotions and beliefs to clear out and that's my focus. Okay. And just more of that. And outer world, coaching uh, and yeah, that, growing that, helping more people. I enjoy that. Uh, have this dream of having a group here as well in Israel and for teens and for adults. Because you, you work a lot with teenagers, mostly with teenagers? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, I think, 50%. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I had a hard time as a teen, so I actually really like working with that age group. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want for both because I want to form a community and for teenagers that that's an age where you you may feel lonely people are less authentic uh potentially and yeah a place where people can really listen to each other and create deep friendships and talk about life and what's really important and not just what school system is important how do you feel when you think about doing that Love. Good for you, man. Good for you. And the dream you're creating. Thanks for sharing today. Thank you for inviting me. And, and really a heartfelt thank you for all your help and guidance. Yeah, never take that for granted. You're, you're welcome. Good, good work. Good, I'm, I'm grateful to have the work. And uh, serve something up that's nourishing. Yeah. Okay, love you, my friend. You too. Thank you so much. Let's leave it here.